in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Mo. Oh, this is Dallin. Mitch, you nailed it that time. I nailed it, that, baby. That Woohoo! Is, that is how it has gone before, and it feels good, my friend. I, you know, I don't want to make you. I don't want to be like the one to pressure you into like keeping it that way. I just feel like it. It feels right when we start off the pod with that specifically. No, I. I got a little sloppy. I got a little sloppy. You held me accountable. You're like, hey, tighten up the screws a little bit. Let's dial it in. I'm like, hey, you're right. So I did just that. That was that was the goal. I'm just one for redundancy. You know, I like let's let's stay consistent. Do the same thing every time. You're a creature you of habit. You're a creature of habit, I, my friend. You know what? That is so true. My wife would tell you the exact same way. I I like I do the same thing every day. Like I you know I just like wake up do the same exact thing. <laughs> I just live life over and over again. That sounds actually really sad and That boring, sounds like some Groundhog Day shit. And- <laughs> but I promise you, my life's not that bad. But any of you guys, welcome on into the Sports Hour. Mitch and I are super happy to be here uh, for this episode. We're one week into the NFL season, and boy was this last weekend of football uh, interesting to say the least. Lots of teams we didn't expect to win. Uh, lots of teams we didn't expect to lose. And uh, we're going to kind of cover it all today with some week one overreactions, which is always fun because we all do this anyways. So Mitch and I are just going to like purposely overreact uh, and stake a claim on maybe a take or a team or even a player uh, from this last week of games. We'll also update you on NBA playoffs and our thoughts there. Uh, Right now, the Celtics and Heat are playing game one of the Eastern Conference Finals and then later tonight, game seven between the Nuggets uh, and the Clippers. We're recording this on uh, Tuesday evening. So, uh, Mitch, that's basically what we got on store, uh, in store. Store tap. Today. Store yeah. tap, on tap, store in today. Yes, that, all of that stuff, <laughs> including wonderful grammar. So we have right. all of that going for us. <laughs> yeah, this, is, uh, this, this podcast is definitely like an English teacher's like safe haven they're like oh, thank God. goodness these guys speak right you know like we we had the same eighth grade <laughs> we had the same eighth grade english teacher do you think mrs Daisy would just be freaking out right now oh she yeah, absolutely she would she'd, be utterly disappointed oh, in us too she'd be so mad but she'd hey we're so not that smart i don't know like what does she want us to do right you know she loved us anyway we were famous. right <laughs> we were we were sweet spirits in eighth grade uh no <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, maybe it wasn't that bad. All right, Mitch. Uh, shall we? Let's just jump into this playoffs here, these these NBA playoffs. How does that sound? Yeah, let's get it. Let's get it. All right, so so quick update. This game is, is close to wrapping. Three and a half minutes left in the fourth. Boston is up six points over the Miami Heat, 101-95. This is game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, and we talked about this uh, in the last podcast, uh, anticipating this matchup, I think, 
that this is going to be a very fun series. Uh, regardless of the outcome of this game, Mitch, I tweeted this out before the game, and I'm sticking with this take. I'm taking Heat in seven in this series. It was a close call because I very much like the Celtics and what they've done this postseason. Uh, I think the loss of Hayward and that extra depth there, that extra scoring, uh, could come back to bite the Celtics uh, in the end. And I think a guy like Bam Adebayo is going to have a very good series against the Celtics where I feel like they don't necessarily have a guy to stop in. So I'm taking Heat in seven. I'm feeling confident in Miami, Mitch. As you should. I mean, they just knocked off the number one seed Miami Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks. Um yeah, you should feel confident, especially after you just called Heat and Seven and you weren't bold enough and they went Heat and Five. True. So you should feel confident about taking the Heat. I'm confident in the Heat, but I'm not buying anything yet. I think I got to see a couple games before I really know who's actually going to win this. You're you're absolutely correct. The loss of uh, of Gordon Hayward is is big for Boston. That extra depth, um, but. And the Heat are definitely the hot hand, right? The hot hand, you just knock off the number one seed. You made them look like an eight seed. But, man, I got to see a couple games before I even pick who I think is going to win this. I got to see a couple games. and uh, No doubt. I, and I honestly don't think tonight, if, even if tonight's close, it's not going to give me an inkling of who I'm gonna, where I'm going to lean anyway. Because these are two very good teams, and Miami's the hot hand and a very solid team. Boston's very well built. I, I, I got to see a couple. No doubt. And uh, I mean, obviously, like I think back to the Toronto Boston, I think back like it was so long ago, the series that just ended uh, the Toronto Boston series, extremely competitive. It was almost like a boxing match blow for blow uh, through a seven game series. And that's what I expect from Miami and Boston here in the Eastern Conference Finals. I expect a blow for blow sort of uh, matchup here uh, in this series and ultimately in seven games I'll take the heat but uh, the Celtics are a very talented team and a team that not only I think could win this series but also could be a dangerous team in the NBA finals I think either of these teams getting through are going to pose a problem for the Lakers or whoever comes out of the Clippers Denver series uh, but I I'm going to stick with the heat because Mitch they are eight and one in these playoffs so far. That's really good. And they've played the four seed Pacers and the one seed Bucks. I don't think they're scared of anybody. I think they they believe that they can beat every single team in this league. And uh, I believe them, if I'm being honest. I believe like, them I too. Just, I, mean... I just believe them. So I'm going to pick them in seven. But I'm just excited to watch the basketball here. Because it is a fantastic matchup against two really well-built teams two well-coached teams, two teams that are relying on young guys to emerge, veteran pieces to show that veteran presence in the postseason. Uh, the, I think they're really similar in a lot of ways, and it makes this an even more intriguing matchup. Oh, absolutely. Um, a super intriguing matchup. By the way, as we're talking, Miami's drawing the gap closer. They just got down by three, so I just want to point that out. Um, yeah, no doubt. And and when this game ends, we'll we'll update it here on the pod. You guys will know, obviously, you're going to be hearing this later. Uh, right. But uh, for our sake, we're catching this live, you know. Right. I. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take. A, I'm just gonna make a bold take. Whoever wins game one wins the series. I think you okay. said. Okay. I, I think you set the. You set. You set it. The. Uh, the. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm blanking on words today, Dallin. 
Um, you set the precedent from game one. Uh, you're setting the tempo. You you control this series if you win game one. So I think whoever wins game one uh, wins this series. I love it, Mitch. Let's bounce over to the other game tonight, which will begin here uh, momentarily. Uh, that is Denver and L.A., the Clippers and Nuggets, Game 7. Clippers playing in their – or sorry, the Nuggets playing in their second straight seven-game series. Last year, for those who don't remember, the Denver Nuggets played in two seven-game series uh, last year, winning the first one, obviously losing the second this year. Here they are again, four seven-game series in the last two years in the playoffs. They came back from 3-1 against Utah. They have come back to tie this series, down 3-1 earlier, now tied going into Game 7, Mitch. I'm going to be honest, I have no idea who wins this game tonight. I don't think it matters because I think the Lakers are the better of these two teams. I think this series has proved that to me as far as the Clippers go. I, I thought the Clippers and the Lakers were kind of a tier of their own, but I think this is more an indictment on the Clippers' talent than it is uh, a recognition of Denver being a better team than maybe we thought. And so uh, I, I don't know who wins this game, I, but I'm going to say it doesn't matter because the Lakers are going to win regardless of the opponent next series. I think it does matter. I think it matters for the Lakers because if the Clippers win, they might go seven. If the Nuggets win, it's a sweep. So I think it does I think matter. These teams are that different, but yet this is a seven-game series. And if the Clippers were that much more competitive of a team, shouldn't they have closed the series out uh, like a week ago? Yeah, they should have. They blew it in Game Six when they got outscored thirty to sixteen in the third and thirty-four to nineteen in the fourth, and then they. Let me just look at this and make just make sure I'm getting yeah, they got out they got way outscored again in the fourth quarter in game five or in game yeah, in game five, 38-25. They handed these games away. And so I don't think that Denver is that much of that much better or that much yeah, that close of a team to the to LA. I think LA has landed has handed these games away. So Right, um, but so then why my question is, and I and I maybe agree with you that I think Denver is I don't think Denver is that good. I think the Clippers are blowing it. But what? So who's to say that suddenly the Clippers play the Lakers and now they're on their A game? Is that what you're thinking? No. What I'm thinking is if they play like this, it's going to be a sweep for the Lakers. No. What I'm thinking is LA went on cruise control at three one. They thought they had it locked up going into the fourth quarter of Game Five, blew that one, and never found their funk out of it in Game Six. So that's I, really scary. I, I I mean, if that team wins tonight, that is just, I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm not taking that team to go seven games with the Lakers. I'm not. I take it. I would say six or seven because I think they have, they like you, like we talked about earlier, they have until, was it Monday? Is it Friday. Next, fr until Friday to pull their heads out of their rear ends and get this right. I mean, they have three so, days. The Lakers have had a week, by the way. They That's will be fully three, rested. Three days could be enough. Three days could be enough. But, um, no, I don't think this these two teams are as close as, as the series suggests. Um, I think the Nuggets have battled and taken advantage of opportunities. But I don't think the Nuggets are that close to the, to the Clippers as far as being a good team. Oh. Okay, so uh, you absolutely have to make a pick on this game tonight. Who are you taking? I'm going to take the Clippers. I'm going to take the Clips. Okay. I'm going to take the Clippers as well. Uh, though I hope, I, I'm going to say this, and maybe this is just a vindictive Lakers fan in me, but I hope the Clippers blow it tonight. Because this franchise, 
The Clippers franchise has always played second fiddle to Lakers in L.A. It has always been that way. It will always be that way. And Kawhi and Paul George show up, and we want to pretend like this is the Clippers town now. We're going to show them. We're going to win the championship. No We're one's taking over. That. No one's and, pretending that. And that's, well, that's what the Clippers said all offseason. Well, and that's, that's the Clippers, and that's, of course. And that's what the hype, the hype beasts behind the Clippers, that's what they said. The fans were like, this is over. And yet the franchise has never even reached the Western Conference Finals. They haven't reached the finals. They haven't even made it to the conference finals. And so if they blow it tonight and they still like and they still are unable to even reach a Western Conference Finals, it'll be poetic justice uh in its entirety and I would just soak up the tears of Clippers fans everywhere. It would be a fantastic time. I, mean, I will pick the Clippers because I believe they're a better team, but I am hoping the Denver Nuggets pull it off. With a year like this, why not them? Why not them? So that's where I'm at. Yeah. And I think and, I, and I think they're a better team. And I think they're a better team. But, you know. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Uh, you guys already know what happened in this game. But for Mitch and I, uh, Heat Celtics tied at 106 going to overtime. So this series already starting off on an excellent note. This is going to be a great series, man. I mean, we're this already in overtime great. and it's game one. This is great. This is exactly what we need, Mitch. So, uh, Mitch, that's about it. Any other thoughts on the NBA playoffs here? No. Um. No, no, I, I, I'm pulling for the heat. Let's, let's just make this clear. I'm pulling for the heat. I want to see right. the heat because I, I, I like that team a lot. But whoever wins game one will win the series in my mind. So no doubt, no doubt. I do. I, I pick the heat, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking storylines here. And the storyline of LeBron winning his first NBA championship with the Lakers Against over the Celtics. the Celtics would be pretty awesome. They right, most, the most I mean, Kobe beat the Celtics. And, yeah, Magic beat the Celtics. Right, like it almost seems like LeBron, if he is gonna be a Lakers great, he kind of has to beat the Celtics well, okay, at some so, point so, in the finals. Right, I mean, so he kind of like second. has to. Humor me for a second, Dallin, because this is a. I think this is a very intriguing question, and you being a Lakers fan, I want I want you to be the one that answers this. There have been a lot of Lakers greats, right? Magic, Kareem, Kobe, Shaq. Um, LeBron's only been with the team for three years, and obviously the majority of his career was spent in Cleveland. And then we also remember him for his Miami years because he won the finals there. Right. If you – and I saw this on first take a couple years ago. I'm not going to ask you the Mount Rushmore Lakers thing because in my mind, like, LeBron doesn't make the Mount Rushmore of – the Lakers even if he does win a championship but do you think if he wins a championship with the Lakers he's solidified as a Lakers great uh, I think he would be uh, thrown into the conversation yes I personally wouldn't put him up there on the same because it's it's two different conversations right it is the greatest players of all time which a lot of those happen to have at one point played for the Lakers Right. So that, you know, that you have that. Uh, and then there's also the best to do it in a Lakers uniform. And and if LeBron only plays four years and wins one championship, I mean, I don't know. You can't really compare him to Kobe at that point. You can't 
compare him to Kareem to Magic. I mean, guys like James Worthy, Elgin Baylor, Jerry you know, West, their, Jerry West played there a lot longer. You know, so I I don't know. He would he would certainly be considered in the conversation, considering he is one of the two greatest players to ever play the sport of basketball. Uh, and I think that at the end of his career, he'll be looked at as such if he's not already. So, it, so he'll automatically get lumped in, right, with the greats, and rightfully so. Uh, but I, I think that matters the the amount of time uh, that he was with uh, a specific team. And I think we'll always look back at LeBron and remember Cleveland and Miami was fun, and LA can be fun, and though you know those could be fun trips that he took, right, to win championships somewhere else. But ultimately, he's a Cleveland Cavalier, right? And that's just how right. it is. And he'll always be that. And I think that's fine. But I, I'm, I think his name will be kind of mentioned up there. But in my mind, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a cousin, right? <laughs> you know, he's like not quite. He's family, but he didn't. He's, he's not like immediate family. Like we really like cousin LeBron. You know, he's welcome at all the barbecues. He's, he's more than welcome in the building. But he's not part of the immediate family. Like, I could think of it like, um, I think of it like Kareem with Milwaukee. Like, he won a championship with Milwaukee, but you don't remember him as a Buck. You right. remember him as a Laker. Um, no doubt. And, there, I mean, really, there's only one Laker in my mind that comes to mind that where you could put him on the Mount Rushmore of two teams. You could put Shaq on the Mount Rushmore of Magic players, of guys on the Magic. And I think that you could make an argument for Shaq. I don't think he makes it, but you can make that argument for him. But I was I was just curious your your take on that because there's so many great – we didn't even mention Wilt Chamberlain. So, like – Yeah, it, and <laughs> that's, that's and, very true. And honestly, I, mean, I, fa- <laughs> I don't know if, he, I don't know if he's – That's kind of nuts, but – yeah, And I don't know if he's considered more of a Laker than a Warrior because he had great careers with both teams. But, um, it, you know, I, I was just curious your take on that. But I, I agree with you 100%. He's going to be a Cav. Like if when he enters the hall, he like I don't know if they do this in the NBA the same way they do it in the MLB, where like you enter the hall with a certain team, um, right? He, I, I don't know he should do, enter with he should enter with the Cavs in my mind. Yeah, he should that enter that Cavs. would be exactly that would be the one that would make sense, right? And and and, and that and the one that he should no doubt. Uh, it is an interesting thing, uh, you know, when you when you think about it that way, no doubt, no doubt, Mitch. So. All right, uh, let us uh, let's move on to some week one overreactions, buddy. What oh do you yeah, think? but oh yeah, buddy. NFL's back. <laughs> okay, buddy. I am so uh, I'm so happy. NFL's back. Week one was awesome. I watched a grotesque amount of football this weekend from Thursday through through Monday night. It, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was I, great. Like, I had I like I was on overload. Like I just at the end of the second Monday night game, I was just left in my recliner drooling because I was on literally <laughs> NFL overload, and I loved it. Loved every second. Yeah, of it. It, you know it's funny to me, and this might sound stupid. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but uh, that week one Sunday morning is like Christmas to me. Oh, like, I wake so good. up, I get my coffee, you I watch sit my ass on the do you couch. You watch NFL and countdown. Say, do you watch NFL countdown? Like, and you just and I'm like Caitlin, my wife. I'll see you in like eight hours. Okay. I'm here. Like you might be around, <laughs> but I'm not paying attention. I'm here. And, uh, it is just, it is just a fantastic time. It was just uh, fun to see, like, just sit down, grab your morning cup of coffee. You're watching Randy Moss and Sam Ponder and Rex Ryan and Matt Hasselbeck and Teddy Bruschi on NFL countdown, waiting for the games to get started. And then you're jumping into kickoff and, 
it's just the most beautiful thing I've seen since March 16th when everything got shut down. So no doubt, no doubt. And so here we are with some early overreactions. Uh, Mitch, I'll let you start here with you. We'll kind of go back and forth here. Give me one of your overreactions from this week one slate of games. I, I want to overreact to Bucks Saints. Okay. I want to overreact to that one. Saints, they're a buzzsaw still, right? We saw that. It's very evident. Now, they're losing Michael Thomas for an extended period of time. That's super unfortunate. Apparently, that high ankle sprain is going to be a little bit more serious. That's per Adam Schefter. I think Adam Rappaport uh, also reported on that. Or, sorry, not Adam. Ian Rappaport, excuse me. Um, I'm overreacting to this game because Tom Brady has hit the cliff. He's hit the cliff. He looked abs- he did he just did not look good. Did not look good to me. Missing a lot of throws, no zip on his passes, threw two picks. Um I think with that my overreaction to this is he's going to play out this season and I know I was high on the Buccaneers. You were. I was, I was high on the Bucs. I did I, I wasn't overly high. I had him at 10 and 6 making the playoffs as a wild card. I wasn't like grotesquely high on them where they said, oh, they're 13 and three and Super Bowl champions. But Tom Brady this year is seriously going to define them. And if he doesn't turn around, we are that argument of Tom Brady will never be that argument of Tom Brady can't be the goat because Tom Brady can't win big games without Bill Belichick is completely going to be valid. Oh, that he's not the goat. Oh, come on, Mitch. Because he can't do it without One Bill Belichick, season? and that's and, okay. No, no, no. no. Listen, but no, I'm but okay. that's no, no, I'm listen, okay no, no, listen. Let, the... let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. It doesn't take that much of a sample size to measure a goat. I know that he had twenty years of success with Bill Belichick, the same head coach, but the year that he leaves, and all of a sudden the success is not there anymore. That's going to be the narrative written, whether you believe it or not. That's going to be the one written. And I think there's going to be at least some, at least minimal validity validity to that argument. Bill Belichick just showed that he can actually win with a separate quarterback and do and and completely change the game scheme and win with a different quarterback. Tom Brady goes to a different system and he struggles. He didn't play that well. And I think that honestly. You could say that you could say it's a cliff. You could say that he can't win without Belichick. But I think that Tom Brady, we see the serious decline this year. Listen, I'm I'm okay with the Tom Brady hit the cliff take. I think it's funny. I think he did a great Jameis Winston impression on Sunday, uh, including a pick six. That's I, I'm sure Jameis was sitting on the sideline and was like, "Wow, that's how bad it looked last year." <laughs> but I am not. I, I don't care what anybody wants to argue. That is the stupidest argument I've ever heard that if Tom Brady has one bad season and, and, and we're saying bad, like as if they're going to lo- go like four and 12, right? Like, I mean, they might go eight and eight and miss a playoffs if that, and that would be considered bad, but one non great season and all of a sudden he's no longer the greatest of all time. Like everything he did in New England doesn't matter because he had one bad season That's not in what Tampa I'm Bay. That's Let, not what let's I'm not forget that Joe Montana, who was probably considered the greatest quarterback of all time before Tom Brady, also played for another team at the end of his career and didn't necessarily go win Super Bowls. 
That's not what I'm saying, though. So I'm not that's on not, board with that at all. You no, said that, that that argument would become valid. That is what that you're saying. That he couldn't win without Bill Belichick. Right. And that's you said, what I said. He takes him out of the GOAT. That's what you said. I'm saying that there's that that's going to be the narrative that's written. That's what I said. I, I'm saying that's a stupid narrative, and I 100% disagree with because it. Because Joe Montana left Bill Walsh. Joe left Joe Montana sense. left Bill Walsh. Joe, Joe Montana left Bill Walsh, another one of the greatest coaches of all time. What what else do you want me to say, Dallin? I mean, there is more to a football game than a head coach and a quarterback, and I there's way it's been proven more time to a football and- game and to success in the game of football than a quarterback and a head coach. And so if Bill Belichick has even more success without Tom Brady, and if Tom Brady has less success with somebody else, it does not mean that those things must be the the, causate correlation is not causation here. Okay. But but there's correlation. There there are so many factors in place that determine success in the NFL that aside of just a head coach and a quarterback, I'm and not, I disagree I'm not, completely with the notion that you can somehow say Tom Brady is not good enough because he lacks success outside of Belichick. Even if that happens this year, I a hundred percent dismiss that notion. So if he doesn't have success, you're saying it's not because he's not with Bill Belichick. It's because he hit the cliff. I'm saying it could be a number of reasons. It could be a number of reasons. I mean, we don't know. This is one game, right? This but is an what's overreaction. What's, what's the narrative, that, but like, Dallin, but what's the narrative that's going to be written? Because there is correlation behind it. Okay, you had Don Shoot. There's yeah. not. There's not. Dallin, I'm going to so list. There's so many I, factors into successful football teams. Injuries, roster construction, just damn luck on a season, a week-to-week and season-to-season basis. There, like, there are so many reasons. No, I'm saying there is a correlation to success. There is a correlation to success. That's what I'm saying. So, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, Dick Vermeil and Kurt Warner, Don Shula and Johnny Unitas, Don Shula and Dan Marino. You could look at uh, 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 Marv Levy and and Jim Kelly. You could look at all these quarterbacks that had success with a specific coach, but when these coaches left. They didn't have the success anymore. That's what I'm saying is there is a correlation between the two. Right. And, and and any of that, even if it were true, would not dismiss a player from being considered the greatest of all I'm time. I'm not saying – you're, you're, you not, said, you're, hear, you're hearing you what I'm not saying. That no, that you're hearing what I'm not saying. Valid, if that's the case. I'm that's not. That's what no. you said. I'm. You're hearing what I'm not saying. I didn't say it becomes valid. I said that there – you could make it that there that narrative that argument is going to be written out that there is that all of a sudden and you said are, and there would be some validity to it that's what you said i disagree completely there's no validity to it i mean people look, could write historically that there's want, and they might historically there's been a correlation between the two i'm not saying he's not going to be the goat at the end of it i'm not saying that at all he will be the goat but i'm saying that that's going to be the narrative that's going to be written and if you're going to make an argument, that would be the one that would be the one that offers at least some minimal validity. That would be the one. That's I disagree. all I'm saying. I would say Tom Brady hitting the cliff would would be uh, a more valid argument. So it happens to hit the cliff when he leaves New England and leaves Bill Belichick. That would just happen no, because to the he end. was he was hitting the cliff last year. I mean, we know we, we looked at the we saw the numbers. We saw what he looked like. Right, he wasn't the same Tom Brady last year. There were obvious struggles, and the defense started the season uh, historically great. 
It had a, a a worse second half. The team sort of declined, and they blew it in the playoffs. Like we we, it's not like Tom Brady was a plus last year, and now he had one bad game. I mean, we saw what were could have been signs of decline. And if at a couple games in we continue to see that this year, then maybe your overreaction of Tom Brady's at the cliff is correct. Look, it's an overreaction. So let me overreact. How about that? <laughs> you could overreact, but to say that if Tom Brady has a bad season that now there's a there's some validity to the argument that he can't be the goat because he failed without Belichick. You're like missing the word minimal. You're missing the word minimal. Because minimal, I, I don't care about minimal. Minimal, it's all stupid. I disagree with all of it. If it's minimal, if it's a lot, I disagree with it all. I think there's no validity. That's crazy to me. Tom Brady's the goat no matter what he does for the next three years of his career. He could lose every single game he played for the next three years. So was there no validity quarterback of all time? So was there no validity to Joe Joe Montana decline when he was considered the goat? Him not having the success success in Kansas City and it had no no validity. There's no it had had nothing. And we don't do the same thing with Michael Jordan and the Wizards. We, we, we don't look at that and be like, well, he can't be the greatest of all time. Basketball is so much different Washington. than playing quarterback. It doesn't matter. It, uh, so we don't different. do that because it so doesn't much matter. It's the same principle. He left a coach that he had success with, went to another one, couldn't have success. That's the argument you're making. That's the argument for this, right? Yeah, he left one coach and he might not have the success with the other coach. That's unreal. Right. I mean, that's the argument. So, I, all right. Tom Brady's at the cliff. I, you know, for, for a week one overreaction, I don't think you're the only one saying this. And time will tell. Uh, but I agree with you that the Saints looked really, really good. And I think Tampa Bay is just a team that needs time to gel. You know, this is a new team, new pieces. Week one, uh, unfamiliar offseason. I think it might take some time. But I'll tell you, the Saints the Saints are here to play. That's what I think. No, yeah, they're still a buzzsaw. They're still a buzzsaw. Yeah. Just let me overreact, uh, won't you? Come on. Listen, you can – okay, Mitch, I did not argue with you on the Tom Brady hits the cliff overreaction. That is fine. But the the whole invalidity with the go oh, – I just can't. I would I like to write my own narratives. Please, thank you. Goodbye. Okay. What's your overreaction? All right. My first overreaction here is uh, we, can, we can just pencil this in, permanent marker, sign, sealed, delivered. Russell Wilson's the MVP this season. I think the conversation is over. I think I picked him to be the MVP in our award predictions. And I said, he's going to have a big year. I think the Seahawks are going to go to the Super Bowl. And week one, I think proved it to me. And you look at what he did against the Falcons. And I understand that it's the Falcons, but there are specific things that work here that make me optimistic about Russell Wilson. He was 31 for 35 for 322 and four touchdowns uh, on Sunday. And when you see those sort of numbers, and this is this is a game where Seahawks struggled to run the ball, only 84 yards on 20 carries. Uh, you know, Chris Carson, six for 21. Carlos Hyde getting seven carries. That never seems like a good sign. Uh, but the fact that Russell Wilson was able to not only complete passes at that percentage, but throw for four touchdowns. He had incredible... Third down, I believe, where they hit a the, he hit Metcalf on a big touchdown, 38 yards. Uh, I, I just thought he looked on fire, and everything clicked with the offense. I thought the way they used DK, the way they used Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, being a part of the passing offense, six receptions, 45 yards, two touchdowns through the air. 
for Chris Carson. I loved everything they did, including uh, targeting Greg Olson. I, I love how the Seahawks offense looked this year, and I believe that this team is just going to continue to put up points. If they allow Russell Wilson to play the way they did in week one, I think this is going to be a very tough team to stop. Uh, and if he puts up these types of numbers and they win a lot of games, there's no question to me that he is going to be the MVP. I mean, I, I like Russell as a, as a front runner for MVP. I like that. But they also played the Atlanta Falcons, whose defense is absolutely atrocious. An atrocious defense, and he put 38 on him. I mean, that's fantastic. Russell Wilson probably had what probably the greatest regular season game of his career this last week, if not close to the greatest regular season game of his career. But he played the atrocious Atlanta defense. Um, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Um, but I do like that overreaction because I think that Russell Wilson is fully capable of winning the of the MVP. So, um, yeah, fantastic game from Russ. Um, defense got a little soft in the fourth quarter, but Matt Ryan was throwing the shit out of the ball at the end. Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, big ups to them. Uh, big games through the air for them for Atlanta. But, you know, they were playing a really bad Atlanta Falcons defense. It's going to be interesting what happens when they play a good defense like San Francisco is Russ going to be able to do the same kind of stuff. I mean, good defense like San Francisco, but Arizona, I mean, seemed to be fine. I mean, they didn't put up a ton of points, but Kyler Murray pretty much diced up the Niners defense. I mean, he on the ground and through the air, he played pretty well. And Russell Wilson can definitely at least do that. So I, I don't know. I'm, I, I think the, the ceiling is very high for Russell Wilson in this offense this year, no doubt. Mitch, what's your uh, – give us another overreaction. Well, I was going to overreact to Steelers-Giants, but I'm changing it right now just because um, we were just talking about this game. And uh, I realized that I have a, a much bigger interest in this game. My overreaction to this one is Arizona is going to sneak in at a wild card. Yeah. They look I, good uh, I offensively. Think I agree with you. DeAndre Hopkins was unreal in that offense. Him and Kyler were just in sync the entire game. And Kyler, using his legs, 13 for 91, seven yards of carry and a touchdown. And Kenyon Drake, only 3.8 a carry, but did his role, did his job. Kyler Murray looked fantastic in that game against a very, very good San Francisco 49ers defense. Cardinals might sneak into a wild card, man. That's my overreaction. No doubt. And I, I think we should be talking about the Cardinals as a legitimate playoff contender. I mean, the, for, for one, there's seven spots this year, right? So that additional spot makes a difference. And now it opens up the possibility for another team getting in. And we look at the standings last season. That seventh team would have been probably a nine and seven Rams team. So who's to say the Cardinals couldn't go nine and seven and be that seventh team getting into the playoffs? And I, and I, and I believe that the Cardinals as a seven seed would, would be a really dangerous matchup. You know, a team that could put up a lot of points in a pinch in one game could be a really tough matchup depending on who they're playing. So I, I am with you. I think we need to be talking about Arizona as a legitimate, a legitimate playoff contender. Uh, I think the offense is great. Kyler Murray is great. I think the defense is, is going to be pretty good. I, I mean, Chandler Jones, another sack on Sunday. He's a consistent sack man. That's what he does. Uh, and then, you know, the young pieces that they have, Butta Baker, Isaiah Simmons. I, I think this team is pretty good. I'm 100% with you, Mitch. They should We should be talking about Arizona as a playoff contender all season. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, 
like the, like you said, it, it wasn't just the offense that showed up. The defense showed up as well. Um, they actually put together a really good defensive. Now, San Francisco banged up. They were without Debo. That wide receiver core is still pretty suspect, but they held George Kittle uh, in check. Uh, Kendrick Bourne didn't do much against them. Uh, Trent Taylor did absolutely nothing against them. Like a, a banged up, it's you know you're a banged up wide receiver core when you're talking about Trent Taylor. So right, um, no Ayuk, no Debo Samuel on Sunday for the Debo. San I mean, I mean Jimmy G still throws for two fifty nine and two, no picks, but they held that team in check and they and they held teams. I I think they're going to win a lot of close games. I think they're going to do just what they need to do to make sure that the game is won, and then Kyler is going to ball out. Kyler's going to be going. You could also. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. I was going to say something. <laughs> save it for another week, Mitch. I was, I, I'll save it. I'll save it. Say, but say. <laughs> Kyler, look, for those of you wondering. He looked good. It was, I know what you want to say. It was Kyler related, and he looks really good. Let's just leave it at I that. know what you want to say. I'm saying save it for another week. A I'm candidate, at least. Candidate. Yeah, yeah. No but. doubt. Mitch, I'm sticking. I'm sticking another overreaction here uh, in the NFC West. Uh, I, I want to talk about the Rams, and uh, this is basically the same argument here. I think the Rams are a playoff team, and I think we need to be talking about them as such. And I and I have been a little higher on the Rams than I think most. I mean, Vegas. You look at their over unders eight and a half. That's pretty fair. But I think a lot of people are talking about them as if they're like a six, seven, maybe eight win team. In my mind, they're a nine, potentially 10-win team. And if things go right, who knows? I mean, this is a team two years removed from a Super Bowl. Obviously, we had some regression last year. Todd Gurley gone. I think they have enough running backs back there between Malcolm Brown, uh, Daryl Henderson, Henderson, Cam Akers, who they tried to get going. I think by the end of the season, it'll be Cam Akers. But again, Brown looked good. I think Jared Goff can do enough. I mean, they have weapons for him. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. The two tight ends, Higby and Everett, I mean, and Sean McVay at the helm, there's no reason why this team can't be successful. And I'm not saying that's the same team from two years ago. They're not a Super Bowl contender to me, but they're a definite playoff team with veteran, you know, sort of leadership. And I'm very impressed by the defense uh, on Sunday against the Cowboys, who we would have thought would put up 30 plus points. Cowboys really struggled. They moved the ball, couldn't score. I think the defensive line, the pass rush was incredible. Aaron Donald, just a beast. And when you don't have time, when you have to be able to get quick outs, uh, that really limits what you can do. And it helps kind of mask some of the weaknesses that the Rams defense might have. So uh, I'm in on the Rams, and I think week one proved it, beating what we expect to be a really competitive playoff team in, in Dallas. I think that's a big win for the Rams. They should be in the playoff contender conversation in my mind. I mean, remember, remember was it maybe 08 or 09, the Eagles were putting together that what they called the dream team, that like dream defense, and mm-hmm. they didn't really perform. The Rams tried to do something like that a couple years ago with a bunch of big names, didn't really perform that well. But you still look at this defense that played very well against a really good Dallas offense. And the names on here are fantastic. Fantastic. Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, Sansom Abukum, Michael Brockers, Aaron Donald, Xavier Jones. I mean, this is still a very, very good defense. And like you said, the offense, offense looked fantastic. Uh, Jared Goff, I think, still has some wrinkles to work out. I'm... I'm 
he makes a lot of dumb throws sometimes. And he, he, he throws some head scratchers. But, you know, Sean McVay, I think, is a good enough coach that they can iron that out. And I was low on the Rams, but three teams out of the NFC West doesn't seem that unbelievable right now. Right. When you look at – I just look at the way that they won, right? And the way that they won is they ran the ball a lot, 40 times on the ground for 150 yards. They chewed up a lot of clock. In fact, they possessed the ball for 35 minutes. Dallas only had it for 25. That's a winning scenario when you're playing a good offense. You want to keep your offense on the field to keep their offense off the field. Keep moving the ball, picking up yardage when you can, allowing Goff to do what he can here and there. He did, he only got sacked once. He had one interception, and I and then they won. You know, and they won the game. They outlasted Dallas, and they did enough to get a win. I think they're going to be able to do that. Uh, many times this season. I, I think that's a winning formula for them, and they might not be the greatest team ever, but nine or ten wins I def- I think is in their wheelhouse, and if that's the case, they're going to be squarely in that playoff conversation. Oh, 100%. 100%. Mitch, uh, final overreaction for you here. Yeah, um, my final overreaction for, for me is going to be this Jets-Bills game, and we're both very high on the Bills. Bills Nation jump through all the tables that you possibly can because this team's going to be really good. Um, My overreaction is that Josh Allen may be in the top three in MVP voting this year. Wow. He looked fantastic. 312, two touchdowns, 36 for 46, 57 yards on the ground. They gave him – this this offense right now is set up for him to succeed. We talked about this right before recording – this this offense is literally built and puts him in a good in a good position for him to succeed. They get him the big the big deep weapon with Stephon Diggs, a guy that he could stretch the field with. They still have the good underneath guys like John Brown and Cole Beasley. They have the tight end Dawson Knox that will come into his own. Um, they added another running back in Zach Moss. Now had a tough time getting going this week, but I think that running game will eventually pick up. And still the really good defense. I think that Josh Allen is in a in a situation that if he plays to his full his full potential he could be a top three mvp guy this year i love the take mitch because uh if you're a successful team if you're a quarterback for a successful team in an nfl season uh you're going to be in the mvp conversation and i believe the bills are going to be a 12 plus win team so I automatically I can I can agree with you here. It's a little bold for me, but I appreciate the take because I don't think that people give Josh Allen enough credit. And he's not the sexiest quarterback. Okay, that's Jimmy Garoppolo. We know that. But he's not the he's not the prettiest guy to watch play, right? He's not he's not Drew Brees. He's not Tom Brady. He's Josh Allen. He's a little quirky. He's gonna give you some bad stuff here and there. He's gonna look a little wild. But like you said, Buffalo has built a team around him that's going to put him in a, in a position to succeed. They succeeded last year, uh, exceeded expectations in a lot of ways, and you kind of saw what they were building towards. The, we t- we've talked about the additions that they made this offseason, which I think are already paying off. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if he throws for 30 touchdowns and, you know, doesn't throw a ton of picks, gets, gets some yardage on the ground, six to eight touchdowns, on the ground, and they win 12 games, you're absolutely right. Josh Allen will be in the top three MVP. I'm not agreeing with you yet, but I love it. I appreciate this. Yeah, 
Big Josh this Allen. Is a great guy. one. Big Josh this Allen. Is a great one. I, I'm not with the Josh Allen slander per se. Uh, I think he could be successful. I think Buffalo is giving him the shot, no doubt. Uh, Mitch, my final overreaction here is is a not overreaction. My overreaction is that I'm not going to overreact to the Indianapolis Colts loss on Sunday. Because it was bad. Listen, you lose to Jacksonville, and that was just like, a, you know, pencil that one in, move on to, to the next week. You know, easy dub, let's go. But give credit to the Jacksonville Jaguars and Gardner Minshew for showing fight, for not for for not saying for saying we're not tanking for Trevor here. We're, we're winning. We're going to win games. And I love Gardner and this team for doing that. I think uh, the team is still uh, you know, he's got talent, but they're young. They're going through rebuild. That's fine. This week one loss is bad for the Colts. But it's not detrimental. I don't think it's time to talk about whether Phillip Rivers is the guy, whether they can actually do it this year. I'm not that worried. He threw the ball a lot because they couldn't run the ball very well. Marlon Mack goes down with an injury. He's out. I think that might actually be a good thing for Indianapolis. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a better option for them long term. And he wasn't good on the ground on Sunday, but he was good through the air. Six of 67 I think his ability to participate in the passing game along with what he can do as a three-down back, in my opinion, plus a defense that will get better. Now, the secondary is a question, and obviously Gardner had a heyday against them, and that's going to have to get better, no doubt. But I think this defense is good enough, and Phillip Rivers and this offense is good enough uh, that they're going to right the ship. My overreaction is I'm not overreacting to the Colts' loss. I'm still as high on, as, on them as I was before, and I will remain so unless uh, it looks more like this for the next couple weeks. Yeah, I wouldn't re- overreact either to this. I mean, Gardner looks sharp, 19 of 20. He's, what, one of how many quarterbacks? Not a lot. It was the only time. I think it was the, it's the only, only time quarterback. It's the highest touchdowns. completion percentage in a season opener ever. Yeah, highest completion percentage while throwing three touchdowns in a season opener ever. Yeah, um, incredible. To, I mean, he, he looks sharp. James Robinson didn't look that bad. Sixteen for sixty-two. I don't even. I didn't even know who James Robinson was before this week. Um, I think that if they want to have some, uh, uh, just switching it over to Jacksonville a little bit. I think Lavisca Chenault's going to be a really valuable weapon to them. I think that they need to get him more involved if they want to. If they're pushing for success. Now, obviously, it would be ideal for them to maybe sink down, get an early draft pick get a good guy that they like and bring him in. Um, but, you know, I think if you want to succeed, you have to get LaVisca Chenault involved in this game just a little bit more uh, than they did here. He had two carries for 10 yards, which is fantastic, and he had three catches for 37 yards. Um, he could be a a Percy Harvin type player where he's kind of a, a little bit, uh, a little bit, does a little bit of everything, and he does it pretty well. Um, but... Going back to Indianapolis, yeah, no, I'm not super worried. I think this is, I mean, unfortunate for Marlon Mack, but I think that uh, this is uh, advantageous for Jonathan Taylor because I think that he will be the guy there. Uh, I expect for him to ex- to um, improve his groundwork. Obviously, he's a workhorse. He's been that all the way through college. That was kind of one not coming in him coming in on him in the draft was you know the mileage is really high on him. Um, I think that he's a high mileage guy. He's, he's like a, he's like a Toyota Corolla. He's like a Honda Accord. You can put a lot of miles on him. They're just never going to give up on you. 
uh, and I think Jonathan Taylor is gonna is gonna be one of those guys. And the and the reports out of camp were that he was looking pretty good in the passing game, like he was gonna be able to contribute to that, and that showed uh, this week against Jacksonville. But yeah, I'm with you. Don't overreact to this. Um, this was maybe just a, uh, a feeling it out type week for, for Indianapolis. Uh, Phillip Rivers will dial in. I know he threw for 363, but the two picks are huge. Um, don't overreact to this one. I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Mitch, that is our week one overreactions. Uh, and we'll obviously be wrong about all of these, but we'll keep these in mind throughout the season. Uh, but definitely interesting stuff happening. Uh, this weekend in the NFL and, and will continue next week, Mitch. Before we get into our picks for week two, though, I've got to give uh, I've got I've got to do something here real quick. And I, ha- I had a segment. If you're a listener, you know, I had a segment called Daddy's Favorite. And I'm and I and I said I'm going to retire it because I need something better. I need something that's a little less creepy. It doesn't make me cringe when I say it. That's basically it. So. This award is the same principle. It's the player of the week for me, the guy that balled out, the guy that did the most. Mitch, and this award is the If You Ain't First, You're Last Award. Oh, homage to our favorite movie of all time. Absolutely. I had to do it. Talladega Nights, it's a win. So the If You Ain't First, You're Last Award, the inaugural award goes to a guy you mentioned a little bit earlier, DeAndre Hopkins. If you ain't first, you're last. Mm-hmm. And boy, did he look good in the Cardinals jersey, Mitch. 14 receptions for 151 yards, averaging 10 yards a reception there, uh, 16 targets. This is this is exactly the perfect scenario when you put DeAndre Hopkins into this offense i i heard somebody compare him to uh like a like he is the ultimate possession receiver in this offense he's like what michael thomas is in new orleans except for he's bigger and like stronger than michael thomas and he's he's got the burst and it's like wow we might see like what a, a very good overreaction this week would have been deandre hopkins breaks the reception record set last year by Michael Thomas. And based on game one, I think there would have been some validity to that. I'm incredibly excited about this pairing of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. This unlocks a lot of what Kyler Murray can do. It allows him to get passes out quick to a reliable target, allows him to go, you know, use him in the red zone as a guy you could throw it up to, to make a catch. Uh, he He's going to be an incredible addition to this offense. He was he looked that way on Sunday. He will continue to be this season. The If You Ain't First, Your Last Award week one goes to uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he just wakes up in the morning and he pisses excellence. That's what DeAndre Hopkins does. I mean, that he's a, is, he's a that big, is what he's about. He's a big, hairy American winning machine, DeAndre Hopkins. I would not call him that, but hey, whatever floats your boat. He's got a lot of hair, doesn't he? He's got the dreads. You know, maybe... maybe the big, maybe hairy American winning machine. I don't want to call him like big and hairy that just kind of seems like something i wouldn't want to call somebody maybe they call themselves that you know sort of thing well okay well sure i guess i'm just trying to be considerate of how people may feel about that (laughs) yeah because you know deandre hopkins listens to this podcast that's why you want to make him right and maybe maybe he feels subconscious about the amount of body hair that he has you know, and that's like a thing. And then to hear us call him that just really like offends him. So well, I don't want to offend the guy. 
I think your idea ain't worth the velvet painting of a whale and a dolphin getting it on. So, <laughs> Mitch, this podcast could use more Talladega Nights. It quotes. could use a I'm lot more. Yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> this is great. All right, Mitch. I think it's time. Final thing in the podcast today is our weekly picks here. And Mitch, last week, uh, you did pretty well, buddy. You went ten and six. I went eight and eight. So not horrible showings here. Uh, you did much better than I did. And uh, I will look to to come back a little bit this week with uh, some of my picks. Yeah. Yeah, he will. Otherwise, you'll be wearing a mullet. So That would be bad. That will be bad. So Bad for you because you'll be probably sleeping on the couch. So I'm going to try to try to avoid that one. So, uh, Mitch, let's uh, let's start this these picks off on Thursday night. Uh, we have the Battle of the Ohio's, Cincinnati, the worst city in America, versus an underrated, disrespected city in Cleveland, Ohio. Beautiful place. Okay. Shout out to my Clevelanders, my Clevelandites, my Clevelandoans. You're just making uh, shit I love now. Cleveland, Mitch, as you know, but I'm actually taking Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, Joe Burrow, in the Cincinnati Bengals in this matchup. I picked him last week, and Ryan Bullock had to, like, pull a hamstring as he's kicking a game-tying field goal. And Joe Burrow led a beautiful drive to put them in that position, and it was squandered by a stupid kicker. Cincinnati's going to get it this week against against the Browns. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland did not look good at all against Baltimore. I, I mean, they're playing Baltimore, but even Baker looked like Baker of last year. They didn't look really good. I think they have a lot to iron out um, before we even consider them for a W here. And I'm with you. Cincinnati, Joe Exotic, get the W this week. Uh, following that game, we got Jacksonville. They're leaving the swamps of Jacksonville and headed over to Music City to take on the Tennessee Titans. Uh Titans looked fairly decent this week. Um, picking up the dub against the Broncos, uh, using their MO, pound, pound the ground, and play good defense. I think that that continues against Jacksonville. Give me Tennessee over Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Mitch. Oh, wait, by the way, did you make a pick on theirs on Cincinnati-Cleveland? Yeah. Or did I just I, miss I, it? Yeah, you missed I took Cincinnati. You took Cincinnati as well. Okay, my bad. I must have spaced out. I wanted to make sure we got that in there. So you picked Cincinnati. I picked Cincinnati. I'm also picking Tennessee here. Uh, I, I think Jacksonville might win some games we didn't expect this year. Uh, but I don't, I'm don't. i not going to buy into this Jacksonville is actually good hype. I think Tennessee is a better team. Uh, they'll show it uh, on Sunday. I'm right there with you. My Carolina Panthers are leaving the beautiful Carolinas, going down south to Florida. Tampa Going to visit Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. And uh, Tom Brady's going to be looking for his first win as a Buccaneer. And I really, really wanted to pick the Panthers here. And I do believe that this will be a close game. But ultimately, I'm going to pick Tampa Bay because the Panthers defense is not good. And I think the Panthers may be able to put up 30 points. I don't think they can stop Tampa Bay from scoring 30. So I think the Buccaneers get the win. But I think the Panthers put up uh, a few points this week as they did in their matchup against the Vegas Raiders, but I'm going to pick Tampa Bay. Yeah. They, I mean, I think the, L, I think the, the Las Vegas Raiders, they have a offense. That's a little bit, maybe underrated. I'm not going to put them in the top 15, but I think that people are sleeping on that offense just a little bit, but the Panthers just did give up 34 to the Raiders. 
um, regardless. So I got I got Tampa Bay over Carolina. Um, I think that uh, this team bounces back and, and finds a way past the Carolina Panthers. Your boys, the Carolina Panthers. It's tough, man. Uh, Hashtag tank for Trevor. I love has- Teddy, though. I love Teddy. I respect him a lot. I appreciate him as my quarterback, but I want Trevor Lawrence. No yeah. disrespect to Teddy. I just I, want to say that. I kind of want Trevor Lawrence at this point with their situation in Chicago. But anyway, moving <laughs> on. We got Denver, the Broncos. They're leaving mile high, and they're headed over to the Steel City to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers didn't look that bad, man. They didn't look that bad. Ben, Big Ben obviously has lost something on his arm, but that offense is still cooking. That defense is absolutely a buzzsaw. Saquon couldn't get past the line of scrimmage last week. Give me Pittsburgh over Denver. I'm not. I'm not buying into Pittsburgh yet. I'm. I'm. Um. I've been low on them. I will continue that way because I know it's Saquon, but it's also the Giants, and so I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold on Pittsburgh looking quote unquote good against a team that's probably gonna win like four games. So. I'm going to actually pick Denver in this game in what I will think is a close game. It's kind of a toss-up in my mind. In fact, uh, I'm going to give this one my garbage game of the week. Oh. Hit the sound, Mitchell. This is just this is just hot garbage. Straight hot garbage. You're a garbage person. This is my garbage game, Mitch, because uh, I'm not really interested in either of these teams. That's basically why. And the other game I would have picked... Uh, would have made you mad for two weeks in a row, and I didn't want to seem like I was trying to like make digs at you every week with the garbage game. So I didn't pick the one involving your team. I'm going with this one here. But I want to make it known that my second choice would have included uh, the Chicago Bears for the second week in a row. Wise But I choice. digress. Wise choice, my friend. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mitch, we're heading over to Philly, home of the champion Eagles. But week one did not look good. Eight sacks on Carson Wentz. A ton more injuries, which is never a good sign. Though something we do say quite often about the Eagles, they'll be hosting the L.A. Rams coming off a big Sunday night win. I'm taking the Rams in this one. I think Philly's a competitive team, but these injuries are racking up fast. And it's going to it's gonna start looking like last season real quick for Philly if they don't uh, get some more luck in that department. I'm taking the Rams here on Sunday. Yeah, Rams look good. Philly did not. Easy pick for me, Rams. Easy pick. All right. Following that city in the city of brotherly, or following that game in the city of brotherly love, we have the San Francisco 49ers. They live in wine country. They head over to the Big Apple to take on the New York Jets. Um, Jets are bad. Jets are really bad. Niners, I think, are coming off a tough loss. I think this is still a good football team. Give me the Niners over the Jets. Yeah, this is uh, this is a godsend for the Niners, who had a bad game, lost week one to the Cardinals, who we both believe is a playoff team, so shouldn't be that bad. But for a team that went to the Super Bowl, not a good look. They get a matchup, a very favorable matchup against the Jets uh, next week. They're going to bounce back. They're going to get the win here uh, and kind of right the ship. I'm not worried about San Francisco. This is a good opportunity for them. Uh, against the New York Jets. So sticking in the NFC, so the AFC East here, we've got Buffalo traveling down to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Miami lost to the Patriots. Buffalo got a win over the Jets. Uh, much of the same on Sunday for the Bills this week. They're going to get a w- win against an inferior division opponent here in Miami. Uh, I am calling for Tua Tagovailoa. Ryan Fitzpatrick looked bad. We know this team isn't going to be good. 
Who are we kidding? Why are we doing this? Just put Tua in and let him go. That's what I'm saying, Mitch. So who are you taking? I took Buffalo. Took oh, Buffalo. Okay. This is an easy win for Buffalo, but I'm saying Miami, I don't know why we're doing the Fitzpatrick thing. Just put just put Tua in and let him go. I mean, you got I understand nothing that to I... lose other than losing games, which you're going to do already. Yeah, I understand not rushing him in um, because you know, if you rush a guy in, I know how that works. Pitch Chubisky. Um, you, uh, sorry, that's still painful to me. Still painful to me. The whole Mitchell Trubisky thing. You mean everything about him being the starting quarterback of your team? All of it. Okay. I understand. Okay. I, I'll decide when we're done talking about this. We're done talking about this. Um, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> we, we, uh, yeah. Buffalo is the easy choice. Buffalo should be, should be winning handily over Miami. Uh, this is a really good team and I'm excited to see what they do with the duration of the year, especially here in week two. Uh, they beat the dolphins following that. The Vikings are leaving Skull Nation up in Minnesota. They're headed down to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Um, I'm not super big on Minnesota. Uh, I think that Minnesota is a team with a lot of holes that could struggle. Um, I like Kirk Cousins. I like Minnesota as a whole. I think it's a great state. I think they have a good team. But I don't think that Minnesota uh, is – I'm not. I'm just not super high on them. And I think that the Colts are, are – Prime to bounce back after that embarrassing loss to the Jaguars. Um, and I got I got Indianapolis in this one. Yeah, I'm going to take Indy as well. This is a matchup of two teams who I think are very disappointed in their week one losses. Obviously, we talked about Indy, but Minnesota uh, losing to Green Bay. It's not the loss to Green Bay because Green Bay was a good team last year. You know, an, an NFC conference championship team. But Minnesota views themselves as a playoff team. I think they'll win the division. And they looked horrible. I mean, Kirk Cousins had like two pass completions at halftime. They were just getting absolutely demolished. Um, they kind of tightened the score in the second half, but it wasn't really that close. I think both teams will be looking to respond well, but I'm going to take Indy in this game uh, as well along with you, Mitch. Speaking of Green Bay, we're going to go up to Green Bay this week. Uh, Detroit Lions coming off a heartbreaking loss to the Bears, traveling to visit the Packers. Packers go 2-0 and to start the season. I'm taking... Uh, the green and yellow on Sunday over the Lions. Yeah, I mean, my beloved Bears have just pulled off a big win over the Lions. Um, coming back there, Mitchell Trubisky looked like a pro bowler, but Mitchell Trubisky is still a trash can with arms. Um, that Dolphins, or I'm sorry, Dolphins, uh, that Lions team is still looking pretty bad. Um, not a super fan of that team. Uh, I, I think that they still have some serious holes in the secondary. Aaron Rodgers came out looking like he played off piss and actually played a really great game. Uh, this one's going out there to my Packers fans right there. Um, they are going to pick up this win over the Lions. Uh, I think this is actually an easy pick. Uh, I'm, I think Matt Stafford's going to have a fantastic season, but this Lions team is just no match for this for this Packers team, especially that Rodgers-Adams connection. They, they really – um, put up some big numbers last week, and I think that that's going to continue against this line secondary. Cool. I didn't have anything to add. My bad. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> why don't you just take the next one, man? Well, oh, it's no, wait, yours. it's my turn. Oh, it's, it's yours. My turn. That's why I didn't oh. say anything, Mitch. <laughs> oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Professional uh, transitions here. Well done. Falcons, they're leaving Hot Lana. Headed over to the Lone Star State to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, look, I still think the Cowboys have a pretty good team there. 
Um, and Atlanta's defense is pretty garbage. I think def- I think Dallas's uh, offense rebounds and uh, that they they get the dub over the Falcons. So give me Dallas over Atlanta. Yeah, I think this is a great opportunity for the Cowboys offense to uh, do what they should have done on Sunday night against the Rams and actually put up points. They they failed to do that. 17 points uh, on Sunday. This is a great opportunity. We 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 talked about how good Russell Wilson and that offense looked against Atlanta. I expect a similar performance, not quite to that level, but a similar enough performance for the Cowboys to get a win in a shootout uh, over the Falcons in, in Jerry World there. So I'm going to take Dallas as well. Mitch, we're going to Chicago with your Bears coming off a comeback uh, for the ages by Mitchell Trubisky and that, and that team. It was an incredible game that ultimately they should have lost if DeAndre Swift holds on to a touchdown catch. I will say that. Let's not praise the Chicago Bears too much because they probably should have lost that game still. But Trubisky looked really good in the fourth, showed some poise, really nice touchdown pass to Anthony Miller. was very impressed by that ball there. I'm going to take Chicago over the Giants. I don't think uh, the Giants are a very good team. Uh, That's why I'm not really convinced by Pittsburgh. Uh, in their victory on Monday night. But I'm going to take your Bears in this game, Mitch. Yeah, you look at the Bears' uh, upcoming schedule, and this is like one where they could actually like f- stumble into a 4-0 start because this, the beginning of their schedule really isn't that bad. Um, Giants have a uh, still a superstar running back in Saquon Barkley, but offensive line looked really bad. So you got to be crazy if you think I'm not taking my Bears. Bear done! We're taking the Bears over the Giants. That's for sure. We going to do this again? I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. It's yours. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm losing I'm I'm just starting to lose track of who's up and what. So anyway, after that, following we're going to leave the Windy City Chicago and we're going to take Washington and put them in the desert in Arizona against the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Look, this Cardinals team looked really good against the San Francisco 49ers last week. I think that's going to continue against a very bad Washington Redskins team. Even though they picked up the win over the over the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, this is still not a very good Washington team. Give me Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say I'm impressed by Washington's win last week. Uh, Philly's good team, obviously the injury luck, but eight sacks on wins. Chase Young looked incredible. He's going to be a beast. Uh, already is a beast in just one game in the NFL. And I think Washington's going to be a competitive team this year. They're not going to win a lot of games, but I, Ron is going to have them boys competing, and they're going to probably play in a lot of close games is my thoughts this year. But Arizona is a playoff team, Mitch, and they're going to get the win at home uh, over the WFT Washington football team. Mitch, we got the defending champ, Kansas City Chiefs, traveling over to SoFi Stadium. This time it's the Chargers going to reveal the brand new stadium to their fan base. Uh, No fans in attendance. It won't really matter because that's pretty normal for Chargers games. Uh, I'm taking the Chiefs in this one. Defending champs not slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, no. Yeah. Easy pick. Easy pick. Chiefs over Chargers. Chargers defense uh, still still fairly decent, but big hit losing Derwin James. uh, But... Yeah, not enough to beat this pack. Not They still just don't have enough to beat this Chiefs team. No doubt. Uh, following that, Baltimore. They're going to leave their home state to head over again to the Lone Star State. We're headed over to Houston this time to take on the Texans. Uh, another easy pick. Houston did not look good on Thursday night against the Chiefs. Um, granted, they were playing the Chiefs, but 
again, not good nonetheless. Um, give me Baltimore. Yeah, no doubt. Baltimore made Cleveland look really bad on Sunday. I don't think Cleveland's that bad. I think they're going to do the same thing here with the Texans. I think they might make the Texans look really bad, uh, even though they might not be that bad of a team. Give me the Ravens and Lamar Jackson continuing to dominate teams uh, this season. The Sunday night game, Mitch, I'm going to go ahead and call this now. I think this is the game of the week. Are you in agreement? Yeah, yeah. All right, this one, we're going to give this one the official Sports Hour Game of the Week here. It is the New England Patriots traveling to the Northwest, the Hawks' nest, Century Link Field, to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson coming off an incredible game. Future 2020-2021 MVP, Russell Wilson. I don't give me the Seahawks in this game, but I am excited to see Cam and those Patriots, what they do against the Seattle defense on the other side, the offense for the Seahawks, can they continue to put up numbers against what has been a depleted uh, s- s- defense for the uh, New England Patriots? How will they look with their first true test uh, in this Week 2 matchup? I'm very excited for this. will be a great game, but give me the Seahawks in this one. Yeah, uh, I got to take the Seahawks in this one as well. I think that uh, uh, New England's got going to face some struggles this year. Um and that uh, Cam's gonna is gonna face some tribulations for sure, but um, this, and this is gonna be one of those weeks. Uh, give me the Seattle. I forgot, Dallin. Um, actually, my garbage game of the week was Kansas City, Los Angeles. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah. I could it, just because it's not gonna be a game anybody wants yeah, to watch. That was my garbage fan. game of the week. <laughs> yeah, that was my garbage game of the week because it should be probably the easiest blowout, but. Um, but uh, so we don't have to hit the music there. But I just wanted to note that. Uh, no doubt, that, that was that, my garbage. Get, game get of the that week. on the record, you know. Yeah, get it on the record. That was my garbage game of the week. It should be <laughs> garbage game of the week. Um, but after that, we're going to Monday Night Football, baby. Um, we have New Orleans. They're leaving Nolens, the Big Easy, Bourbon Street, and they're headed over to Sin City. Las Vegas to take on the Raiders and their new Allegiant Stadium. I'm actually excited to see what that stadium looks like. It's going to be a lot different without fans there, um, but it's going to be really exciting to uh, see that see that stadium open up. Um, I am I do like the Raiders, like the Raiders a lot this year. Uh, I have them as a borderline um, wild card team, but that New Orleans team just is a buzzsaw, man. It, it's going it's going to be hard to not take the Saints over the Raiders in this one. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, the Raiders, I I was pretty impressed on Sunday. I thought they put up a good effort against the Panthers. Uh, But the Panthers are not a good team, uh, in my opinion. And I thought the secondary was a real concern for me for the Raiders. And that's going to be a really tough matchup against Drew Brees in this offense. I think Drew Brees, beignets in hands, comes over to that brand new Allegiant Stadium, a.k.a. the Death Star, leaves some powder sugar dusts in the locker room before the game, and goes on and gets a victory on Monday night. Uh, uh, give me the Saints in this one. Uh, excited to see what this stadium looks like on the broadcast. It'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Now it is hard to take the Raiders over the Saints. I will say that, but I think with the new stadium, even without the fans there, I think. Excuse me. I think that this is going to be a game that's going to be pretty competitive. I think that the Saints could run away will run away with it at some point, but I feel like the Raiders will put up a fight in that maybe first two and a half quarters. 
Um, oh, and, no we'll doubt see, and we'll see the runaway just because of the new stadium and the new location and everything. I, I feel like that sort of energy will be brought to it, but eventually the saints are going to have to run away with this. Right. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, I think the Raiders are a borderline playoff team, potentially eight win, nine win, you know, could, could sneak in, in the AFC, I believe. So they should be, if they're that type of team, then they should be competitive for most of this game with new Orleans, despite how good they are. But we saw, they looked against Tampa uh, if that's the case, Vegas doesn't really have a chance. Oh, definitely, definitely. So, Mitch, that's it for our picks. I'm not going to lie, Mitch. We only differed on one game, and that is Denver-Pittsburgh. <laughs> so, yeah, we so- are pretty consistent this week. We did not do a good job picking other games, apparently. Uh, not that we tried to. We just picked the games we want. This week, it turns out, uh, we're pretty much on the same page. I feel like there's a lot of easy picks this week. There's a lot I, of easy picks. And... um I mean, there's there's maybe a, a couple you could call as, as upsets. Um, Minnesota Indy comes to mind um, as as a game that maybe could flip the other way. Um, but outside of that, man, there's just there's not a whole lot that's not pretty straightforward. So it, I guess maybe hopefully we wind up in the right direction here and and look like geniuses <laughs> at the end of this. So yeah, and we go uh, ten and six and not six and ten in the picks this week. That would look that hopefully, would look fantastic for us. Hopefully, hopefully for our sake. Mitch, this has been a pleasure uh, doing this pod today. Fun to overreact to week one. Let us know uh, your thoughts on what we overreacted to, and if you have any overreactions. Uh, I know we did ours this week on the pod, but feel free to send your overreactions in if you have any. You can leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys, and if you do, we will uh, play it on the pod next week so we uh would encourage you to do that yeah and if you haven't already go ahead and follow us on our socials at instagram at the sports era guys the twitter is at sports era guys uh you can go listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast and go listen to us on apple spotify apple spotify stitcher i made apple sound like spotify was part of it but they're two separate things (laughs) apple spotify stitcher um, wherever you listen to your podcast, go give us a listen there. If you liked this episode, make sure to go tell a friend, share it with a friend, tell them all about us. If you didn't like this episode, I hope you step on a Lego. That's, that's pretty serious right there. That's, yeah. That's, I thought the, I thought the watery stuff out of the ketchup bottle was serious, but, uh, no, I, the Lego's worse. That's pretty, we're stepping uh, it up to the Lego. It's pretty yeah. vengeful. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, bitch. <laughs> Better like this episode. Uh, You guys all take care. Thanks for listening. And we will catch you next week. See ya.